How are y'all doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you don't usually come here, uh, welcome. We uh, tend to have fun. And if you're not having fun, or if you if you think you're not supposed to have fun at church, you are at the wrong church because we have fun. So uh, at sometimes at your cost. Like, so um, we have a memorial service for one of our own tomorrow at six o'clock. Joe, uh, we're having our memorial service for Joe. So please, please, I want you all to come. Be here at six o'clock. It's going to be um, a, a celebration of life for Joe. Uh, what a man of God, all the way up until the last second, just living it out and, and being a great example for us. So if y'all could come tomorrow at six o'clock, it would be great if you could be here. So um, let's do the culture update. <laughs> y'all are weirdos. Uh, uh, yeah, I always, I, I, it, it floors me that you're like, yes, let's do that. That's fun. Um, so in case you didn't hear yesterday, our uh, our beloved Texas Attorney General, a true patriot, Ken Paxton, was acquitted on all charges, um, which th- they should have never been brought. Literally, the whistleblower person went to the FBI with zero evidence. He said himself, zero evidence, and they still took the case. That makes no sense. I don't know if y'all have been following along with what our justice system is doing. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's fantastic. So um, also, um, you can, that's kind of a little glimpse of um, Putin this past week said that um, how can Americans go out and teach democracy to everyone else when they're operating the way that they're operating? So anyway, uh, that's uh, that's one of our enemies. But did you know that today is a very special day? Today is also known as Constitution Day. It is the anniversary of the uh, our American Constitution. Now, I need to warn you, we are Christians first and foremost and most. Is my mic dropping in and out? It sounds like it is to me in my ears. Um, and so we're we're Christians first, but we're also Americans, and we love our country. Um, and so I, I don't want us to ever lose sight of that. Um, that we there are places in America we know that they're all about being patriots and 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 also Christians. We're not. We're we we believe the word. We trust the word. But the Constitution was informed by the Word of God, and that is why we we um, are behind the Constitution. So I have a little video that I want to show you. Um, y'all ready? Yeah. Okay. Good. Why is the Constitution of the United States so exceptional? Well, the difference is so small that it almost escapes you, but is so great it tells you the whole story in just three words. We 
the people. So I believe that America is the city on a hill for the rest of the world. And I believe I still believe that today. And the reason I believe that we still are that today is because of people like you, that we are people that are going to live out the truth for all of our days. Amen. So we are in the Gospel of John. This is the 67th installment of the Gospel of John. Some people can get through a book of the Bible in like four weeks. I've seen pastors do ser sermon series where they're like, this next six weeks, we're going to go through Romans. I couldn't get through the first five verses of Romans in six weeks. So um, again, you might be at the wrong church. I'm just saying. Uh, Jesus has been warning about tough times. And previously on the Gospel of John, Jesus has been, uh, we're on the Thursday night, the day before Jesus is going to be crucified. And, uh, and so I am going to go back to last week. We only did two verses because y'all listen really slow. Um, we only did two verses and, uh, and, but I'm going to go back and do those verses again today. So, um, that's, and this is probably part of the problem of how long it takes us to get through it. So in John 15, 18, he says, if the world hates you know that it hated me before it hated you. So as Christians, we have enemies. And look, I, I just need to implore you. If you did not hear last week's message, last week's message can change your worldview about authority and how authority works on, on earth. And I would, I would challenge you. We have, I don't know if you know this, but we have a podcast. And you can go back and listen to that for free. So yeah, free podcast. You don't have to pay. There's no subscription, nothing. So go back and listen to last week's message if you didn't, if you didn't hear it. So, um, but there are, there are three enemies that I want to point out that Christians have. The first one, obvious one, is Satan. He hates you and he has a horrible plan for your life. As a matter of fact, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour your offspring. He wants to take the plan that God has for your life and make you not follow it by any means necessary. We find victory over Satan through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. No, look, I said that for all caps, amen. I didn't tell you, but I need you to say amen in all caps, okay? So I'm going to read it again. It's gonna, we're going to act like, I'm going to edit it out. We're going to act like y'all didn't do that, okay? So, right, rewind. We find victory over Satan through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so, Revelation 12. And they overcome, overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So the first one is Satan. The second one, very closely related to Satan. However, Satan is not in charge of the world. If you want more backstory on that, we have a podcast and you can listen to it as last week. Um, the world is that invisible system that can connects men in rebellion against God. And the world is, it, it energizes the ones that are directed by Satan, which is not us, right? So um, John, in 1 John, he says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. They, we have power over Satan and his plans for us, right? So it's a system that's held together by lust and pride 
and it appeals and connects to our lust and pride. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we often see the world reflected in like the mainstream media and what they're about and what they're promoting. We look at it in our advertising. If we look at our advertising, we can see the agenda that the world is trying to push on us, right? Can somebody please explain to me how Dylan Mulvaney became the women's spokesman for all women's products? Do y'all, if you don't know who Dylan Mulvaney is, he is not a woman. Do y'all not know who he is? Oh, well, y'all are not responding. So I just, I don't know if you're aware, but you're not responding right now. So I don't understand. It, you see the agenda that the world has, and they, we look at it in the advertising, in the way that they advertise. We can see it in entertainment. We can see it in education. We can see it in business practices. All throughout our culture, we see what the world is after, what, what the world is looking for. Satan energizes and directs the world to affect man's flesh through temptation. So the third enemy is the flesh. And the flesh is so close, it's almost like we're living in it. Let's go. Well, boy. Dad joke. One of these these enemies is which this is the one that's like so difficult for us to understand. So this is how it works. We are all, every one of us, spirit, soul, and body. Before you ever know Jesus, your spirit is dead. So really, you can't do right. You can't choose righteousness because you don't know what righteousness is. Whenever you you enter into this relationship with Jesus, your spirit comes alive. And so now I'm going to give you three different, you know, the cartoons, you remember the cartoons? You have the, the angel, the demon on one shoulder and the angel on the other. Y'all remember that? So which one do you listen to? Don't tell me. I already know. Okay. Like guilty conscience. I didn't say you didn't listen to the bad one. Golly. So we have our flesh over here and our flesh almost always wants to do the wrong thing. Not always, because sometimes the right thing is the easy thing. Sometimes. In the long run, the right thing is always the easy thing. But in the short term, sometimes the right thing, and sometimes people that are just evil and bad can accidentally do the right thing. Sometimes you do the right thing because you're evil and bad, <laughs> just to be clear. So sometimes our flesh will do the right thing. But most of the time, our flesh is pursuing things that are not good. And then on the other shoulder, the other side, we have our perfect spirit made alive in Christ. The, the spirit always, always, always wants to do the right thing. Your spirit, there is part of you that always wants to do the right thing and always knows the right thing to do. You ever get in those situations where you're like, I'm not really sure what the right thing to do here is. I would say to you, listen to the spirit. What is the spirit saying to you? And if you still struggle, I don't know what the right thing to do is. Listen to the spirit. And if you still or like, well, I've just tried. I've tried to listen to the Spirit, and I just don't know what the right thing to do. Listen to the Spirit. The Spirit always knows what the right thing to do is, and that's all you have to do. Listen to the angel. Listen, like, lean over this way, and you can hear the Spirit speaking to you, truth, and doing the right thing. And then you have your soul, which is your mind, and that's the part of you where the struggle really lies because you are in the middle in your soul and your mind, and you're trying to decide Am I going to 
conform to the patterns of this world or am I going to be transformed by renewing my mind and listening to what the Spirit is telling me to do? So what do you do? Which way do you lean? Do you're like, I don't want to get up. I just want to sleep in today. I don't want to go to church. Hey, if you're watching online, <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Sometimes you have to watch online. Listen, if you go out of town or whatever, you got to work. That's fine. Miss church, watch online. But we need you here. We need you here. Even if you're like, you're like, huh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go be around those weird people. It's okay. We need you here. There's room for one more weirdo you can fit in. So just please come. We need you. But so do you just listen to the, the spirit, the flesh, the part of you that's like, I just want to do the easy thing. Or do you listen to, there's that struggle. If you lock arms, if there's three identically sized people and you're locked arms and you're, you're walking, you are walking a path. And sometimes you listen to the flesh and you'll get off track of what the spirit is trying to lead you. No matter what, you're going to have the flesh part of you pulling you. As long as you're alive in your flesh, you're going to have the flesh part of you pulling you. But... The more you train yourself in righteousness, the easier it is to hear what the Spirit's saying and the easier it is to do what the Spirit is saying. But that only comes from doing it over and over and over and over and over. And the more times you're listening to the, the Spirit of truth leading you and doing those things, the easier it is to recognize, oh, that's His voice. I want to do what He's telling me to do. And it's not your voice. Because sometimes you want to do a thing and you're like, oh, God told me to do this. No, He did not. That was you. Like, I've heard people, I have an airplane. I have the biggest house in Louisiana. I have the... Anybody know who that is? <laughs> Famous person that said that recently. And, and so you can do the things that your flesh wants you to do, or you can do the things that God wants you to do. Those things almost never are the same thing. And it's hard. But Galatians, Paul said this, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. We find victory in our flesh when we crucify our flesh. Not physically, but when we say, our flesh, that part of me has to die. When you get your feelings hurt, it's your flesh. It is not your spirit. Your spirit cannot be hurt. So think about it. When you get offended and, and the boss said something mean, and it's like, oh, that's me. That's your flesh. That's the part of you that needs to die. That's not the part of you that's in the driver's seat. The spirit should be in the driver's seat, right? Are y'all with me? So we need to learn to walk in the power of the spirit. In Romans 8, it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, it doesn't mean physically you will die if you do what your flesh says. It means all of the things that God wants you to do, those things, those dreams, those, those things that you're supposed to be doing, those things will die. And you, But if you will follow the Spirit, you will be alive like you never have been before. Maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for a long time and you've been dabbling and being a Christian, and you're not fully sold out, you're not fully into it, ask somebody who is. And I promise you, you're going to talk to somebody who is fully alive like they've never been. And they'll say, look, come to this side. It is so much better. I promise you it is so much better. And you can tell them all day, but you're not going to experience it until you do it. And when you do it, you'll be like, why did I take so long? 
what was my problem? Why was I continually struggling and listening to my flesh? And because once I started living by the Spirit, everything, like food tastes better. (laughs) Everything is better. Everything. And I'm telling you from being on this side of it, I know this is a fact. But you're still not going to listen until you do it. And then when you do it, you're like, this this Chick-fil-A is so much better. You have victory over the world. Some people think that having victory over the world is isolating yourself from the world. And that's what the whole, like setting up monasteries and things like that. Some people, not you, okay? I'm gonna be really clear because people get offended. Not you, but some people will like homeschool their kids so that they don't, their kids don't know anything about sin, like they, they're completely isolated from the world. I understand and I'm completely and totally for homeschooling your kids, okay? But some people do it as a way to isolate their kids from the world. That's not, God didn't go away from the world. God came into the world and he came into the world for a very specific reason. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. God didn't abandon the world. He came into it to save you. Whenever you entered into your relationship with Jesus, you weren't like just beamed up to heaven instantly because you still have a role. You still have a job to do in this world. And that is to get other people to know God. That's what preaching the gospel is. And whenever I say preaching the gospel, Like you can say the words to people about the gospel. You also have to live it out and and see what it looks like. So he died to pay for our sins and he died in order to make us right with God. We are to be different from the world, but not separated physically from it. We're supposed to be in the world and not of the world, right? We've all heard that before, right? Supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. What does it mean to be in the world? but not of the world. We're not following the patterns of this world. We are living starkly different, should be starkly different. If you look just like everybody else, what is it about your Jesus that that is desirable? If you, if you have the same problems that your unbelieving neighbor has, and you have the same uh, results as your unbelieving neighbor has, then what's different about you? Like, what is your, your God can't even deliver you. What makes you think he can deliver me? That's a big deal. But you have the choice. You don't have the choice of the things that happen to you. Nobody does. You have the choice of how you react to the things that happen to you. I heard this interview this past week with Larry Elder. It was absolutely amazing interview. And, and he was talking about how um, he heard somebody that had used a racial slur, heard a racial slur in their... Um, on their vacation and it totally ruined their vacation. And then he's telling this story to his mother and his mom said, why did they let them like in one sentence, you let some stranger completely ruin your vacation. That makes no sense. You have the choice of what, how you respond to things that happen to you in the world, no matter who you are and no matter what the thing is, you have the choice to respond to it. We're supposed to be in the world and not of the world. And if we are, if we are not in the world and not of the world, How will people come to Christ? 
if we are not out preaching the gospel? How are people going to come to know Jesus? Can you imagine if the person who was most instrumental in you coming to meet Jesus, what if they had hid? What if they had said, I'm going to, I don't want to be in the world. I'm going to, I'm going to isolate myself and I'm going to hide over here in my holy huddle and I'm not going to go out and preach the gospel to people. What if they hadn't told you about Jesus? Where would you be right now? Not in that seat, guaranteed. You would be somewhere else. You wouldn't be here right now. And so we cannot be people that hide from the world because we know we win. We know that the power that is in us is greater than the power that is in the world. We know that nothing can overcome us because we overcome through our faith. We overcome every obstacle through our faith for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There is a time to run away from temptation. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.22, it says flee temptation. That means sometimes you have to run away from it. However, most of the time you have to look it in the face and say, nope, nope, not today. Not today, Satan. Not today. I'm not doing that. That is not who I am anymore. I am someone else now. Sometimes you have to look at a family member and say, look, you can do that thing. I'm just not doing it anymore. I'm, I am different now. I am a different person. And sometimes that family member is like, do you think I'm bad? It's like, yeah, but I thought that before this. Like, <laughs> like whatever. Like, like do you, are you saying I'm evil because I'm doing that? Look, man, you have your own journey to follow. I'm just worried about me. I got too much to worry about myself. I can't even worry about you. Like, worry about yourself. So all you, you, sometimes you have to look them straight in the face and say, look, that's just not me. It's not who I am. I, no, no thanks. No thanks. That's not me anymore. And you will do the thing. We learn to be a light in this dark world through our faith. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to read a story to you. I have read this story dozens of times, and I have yet to get through it without crying. Okay, so just I'm just forewarning you, you may need tissues. Okay, there's a story um, by Tony Campolo is a, an evangelist, and he is, he is a fabulous man of God. So I'm just going to try to read this story as best I can. Okay, so <clears throat> jet lag can be brutal, and Tony Campolo had just arrived in Hawaii. He was hungry, and he couldn't sleep. It was 3 a.m., though. And the only place open was a grungy dive in an alley in downtown Waikiki. As Tony sat there at the counter, munching on his donut and sipping his coffee, in walked eight or nine prostitutes just finished with their night's work. They all sat down at the counter, and Tony found himself uncomfortably surrounded by a whole group of smoking, swearing hookers recounting their night on the street. He was finishing up his coffee, planning to make a quick getaway, when he heard the woman next to him say to her friend, you know what? Tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Her friend replied nastily. So what do you want from me? A birthday party? Huh? You want me to get a cake and sing happy birthday to you? The first woman said, oh, come on. Why do you have to be so mean? Why do you have to put me down? I'm just saying it's my birthday. I don't want anything from you. I mean, why should I have a birthday party? I've never had a party in my whole life. 
Why should I have one now? Tony suddenly had an idea. Instead of running off, he sat down, I mean, he sat and waited until the woman left and then asked the guy at the counter, Do they come in here every night? Yeah, he answered. The one right next to me, he asked. Uh, she came. She comes in every night? Yeah, he said. She. That's Agnes. Uh, and yeah, she's here every night. She's been coming in here for years. Why do you want to know? Because she said tomorrow's her birthday. What do you think? You think we could maybe throw a little birthday party right here in the diner? A smile crept over the man's face. That's great, he said. Yeah, that's great. I like it. So they made their plans. Tony said he'd be back at 2.30 the next morning with some decorations, and the man whose name was Harry said he'd make a cake. At 2.30 the next morning, Tony re returned with crepe paper and other decorations and a and sign made of big pieces of cardboard that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. Together they decorated the diner from one end to the other, and it looked great. Harry had gotten the word out on the streets about the party, and by 3.15 it seemed like every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. At 3.30 on the dot, the door swung open, and in walked Agnes and her friend. Everybody yelled together, Happy birthday, Agnes! Agnes was absolutely flabbergasted. Her mouth fell open, her knees started to buckle, and she almost fell over. And then the birthday cake with all the candles was carried out. And that's when she totally lost it and began weeping. Harry, who was not used to seeing a prostitute cry, gruffly mumbled, Blow out the candles, Agnes, cut the cake! So Agnes pulled herself together and blew them out. Everyone cheered and yelled, Cut the cake, Agnes, cut the cake! But Agnes looked at the cake and without taking her eyes off it, slowly said, Look, Harry, is it all right with you if, I mean, if I don't, I mean, what I want to ask is, is it okay if I keep the cake for a little while? Is it all right if we don't eat it right away? And Harry didn't know what to say, so he shrugged and said, Sure, if that's what you want to do, keep the cake. Take it home if you want. Agnes got off her stool, picked up the cake, and carried it high in front of her like it was the Holy Grail. Everybody watched in stunned silence when the door closed behind her. Nobody seemed to know what to do. They looked at each other. They looked at Tony. So Tony got up on a chair and said, What do you say we pray? And there they were in a hole-in-the-wall greasy spoon, half the prostitutes in Honolulu at 3.30 a.m. listening to Tony as he prayed for Agnes. When he finished, Harry leaned over with a trace of hostility in his voice and said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to anyway? And it was one of those moments when he knew just the right words to say. Tony replied, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry thought for a moment and in a mocking way said, No, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. Yep, I'd join a church like that. Tony said, There is a church like that, Harry, started by a man who did just that. Let me tell you about Jesus. I don't know. I think I'll go. Let me just be honest with you guys. If I'm sitting in a diner three in the morning and a prostitute sits next to me, I'm getting up and leaving. What will people say? I'm a pastor. What will people think? Maybe we need to be more in the world and not of the world. Maybe we need to be less of the world and more in the world. Everybody read it. I would love it 
if our church was a welcome place for people like that? I believe that it is, but where are those people? I think we need to be more in the world and less of the world. And I think if we're less of the world and more in the world, both of those things are going to happen. That the, the people that don't belong in church, and when I say belong, I mean belong in church, like you, they'll feel welcome, they'll feel loved, they will feel like, like these people, there's something different about these people. They're not of the world. They are, it's like they're from another planet. In a good way, though. Y'all see the Mexican aliens? I'm, I'm not, I didn't mean illegal aliens. That's, if you don't know, that sounded wrong. Just dug myself in a hole. It was like a really tender moment. Y'all ruined it. What I meant when I said aliens is the in Mexico, just think I follow the the news a lot. So in Mexico, the country, um, there was this past week, they said, hey, we have aliens. Look at them. It looked like something like a junior high kid could make with paper mache. But like, they're like, look, we're, look at our aliens. Esta un alien. I don't know what. So anyway, sorry about that. Can y'all pay attention? This is why it takes y'all so long to get through the Gospel of John. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You have a choice in who you're going to be friends with. In James, he says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God, an enemy of God. You want to be friends with the world? Well, I did, but now I'm not sure. I, you can be God's friend and the world's enemy. And John wrote, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Why is it that every time something bad happens to us, we're like, everyone hates me. Nothing ever has happened. You think the problem that you're facing right now is the worst problem that anyone's ever faced before. Like nobody could ever get through this. Yeah, they could. And your problems are not nearly as bad as I can tell you. Only one of you in this whole room has it the worst. Everybody else has it easier than that one person. I don't know who that one person is. And every one of you thinks it's you. Probably not you. Like, all but one of you is right. I mean, only one of you is right. So, um, being popular among your unbelieving friends is not really a goal to have. Uh, in Galatians, he said, now, Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. One of the questions in your life group this week is going to be, tell us about a time where you chose to please people over pleasing God. So just get ready for that, little Jim. Still thing. Hey. Wasn't me. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So that means he's saying not everyone is going to be against you. Though it feels like everyone's against you, not everyone's going to be against you because some people actually need you to be preaching the word and they love that you come and speak truth to them, right? So um, it goes on, he says, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. If Jesus had not come to earth and told us about God and how to follow God, these people in front of Jesus might have an excuse, but he's like, you don't have an excuse anymore. You listen to the words I said, and, and also not just that, but the things that I do. He said, he who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without cause. John says that, that there's no possible way to write down all of the miracles that, that Jesus did because the entire world couldn't fit the volumes of books that would be written. That's amazing, right? The, but the miracles that we do know about are enough for us. They're enough for us to know that he is who he says he is, right? So we have no excuses. Jesus said that they, because of the things that he said, he preached the gospel. And because of the things that he did, he lived it out and he performed miracles. Those people had no excuse. So what about you? I'm not talking about, do you have an excuse? You don't. You've heard the gospel. Everyone's heard about the miracles Jesus did, right? Everyone's, everyone's heard that, uh, that Jesus is the only way. So there, now all your excuses are gone. Ha ha. Ha ha, you're going to heaven. But I would ask you, Jesus being our example, are you, by the, the things that you say and the things that you do, are you removing excuses for people or... Are you giving them more excuses to not believe and trust in Jesus? Ouch. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you who has a bad attitude at work. I'm talking to you who cuts people off. I'm talking to you who goes straight when you're supposed to turn left. You know how many people's salvation has been lost on that move? <laughs> Look, both lanes turn. The left lane has to turn. Okay, you can't go straight. Todd almost died this morning. Tell me the story. Like, but I'm talking to you who, who is hateful towards their family because of stuff that happened 50 years ago. Like, you are you removing people's excuses to not trust Jesus because of the, the way that you are speaking and the things that you are doing? Or are you giving more excuses for people to not trust in God? Brandon Manning, one of my favorite authors, said this, the single greatest cause of atheism today is people who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then go out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Are you saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, and then going out and forgetting? You look at, at yourself in the mirror and then walk away and forget what you look like? Like you are a child of God. You, you belong to the king. You are supposed to walk in that calling, in that anointing. You have power over every sin. So why do you keep letting sin defeat you? You have, you have the power to go out and preach the gospel to everyone everywhere and to live it out. 
So it's time that we do just that. Romans 5 says, But God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So don't start start thinking that, well, I got to get some things right first, and then I'll go start sharing Jesus with people. No. While you were still a sinner, maybe I'll start preaching to my uncle, my cousin, my mom, my dad, my, my coworker, whenever they straighten up a little bit. No. While they are yet sinners, Christ came and died. You got to go right now. You're like, well, there's no way they're going to listen. So talk to them anyway. What do you have to lose? You know when the last time a Christian in America was killed in America for being a Christian and preaching the gospel? A long time. You're probably not going to be killed. You might lose, lose some followers. You might lose some, some street cred. <laughs> How much street cred you got? But Do you realize that there is no other like Jesus? You have heard that Jesus died for your sins, and you are now accountable to God for every bit of that. For you are accountable to God for living out your life in righteousness. And that's good news, isn't it? It's good news that you're not going to hell. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So if you are in here and you call yourself a Christian and you're not being persecuted at all, you, my friend, are not living like a Christian. You should be being persecuted, at least some. So the persecute means to make, to run, or flee, to harass, or to trouble. So I think there are, there are three types, three different types of persecution. The first one is fake persecution. It's paranoia, where you think, oh, I'm being persecuted because I'm a Christian. No, no, being persecuted because you're a terrible person. And that's all it is. Like you think, well, my boss is persecuting me like by giving me a bad review. No, no, it's because you're a bad employee. That's why you're being persecuted. That's You're just paranoid. You're not being persecuted because you're a Christian. It's because you're just not a good dude. That's it. And Or like I'm being persecuted by my teacher because she gave me a bad grade on my test. No, it's because you didn't study. That's what it was. Like you, there, there will be prayer in school as long as there's tests. So, you know. So some of it is just you're just being paranoid. Like when... When every, like Christians are really good at finding the symbolism in everything. Starbucks last year, they had some cup, like, you know, the coffee cups are like, they're, they look like bowls, but they have a little one finger uh, handle on it. You know what I'm talking about? Like you got to drink it like this. So that, that was on the Starbucks cup, but it was upside down. And it was clearly that somebody posted, look, look what they're doing to Christians. And they were like, this symbol means this. And I'm like, bro. There is symbolism in our in our culture. Absolutely. There's a lot of satanic things that are happening and they use symbolism to communicate with each other. But I don't think that's what Starbucks was doing because that was just an upside down coffee cup. Calm down, Christian. You're not being persecuted by Starbucks cups. OK, they're not telling you're not a Christian because of the cups. OK, so some of it's just being paranoid. Some uh, persecution is deserved. And I don't mean deserved because you're being such a great Christian. I mean, it's deserved because you're being such a bad Christian. So, um, 
Peter is, and Peter it says this, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Don't you think it's like, it's so joyful when persecution comes your way and you're like, yes, love this. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. See, a lot of times we end up being persecuted because we are a murderer, or we are a thief, or we are an evildoer, or we are a busybody, or we are a Karen. We earn that persecution. Don't let that not be said of us that we're going to be people that are that are being persecuted like we should be persecuted because we're just bad people. The the last reason and the reason we're really looking for, the reason we want to be persecuted is for Jesus because we're doing it right. Um, this is the, the persecution that Jesus promised for all of his followers. And it comes directly from being a quality representative of Jesus Christ to a world that hates him. In 2 Timothy, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And here we are sitting there like, why am I being persecuted? Because Jesus said you're going to be persecuted. And he is no liar. You're, you should be being persecuted. So that goes back to, if you're not being persecuted, you are not a good Christian. There's your feelings. It sure hurts your feelings a little bit. If you're not being persecuted, if there's no one that's offended by your Christianity, no one that's offended by your righteousness, then you're not doing it right. You should be doing it differently. And I'm not talking about going out and trying to be a jerk. I'm not talking about going out and trying to be mean to people. It's actually just the opposite. When you're loving and they hate you because you're loving, that's the sweet spot. That's where that's where the money is. Like that's that's where that's what it's all about. How do we survive persecution? It seems like when we look at the early church, those early Christians, they would go to like, they would be burned at the stake. They would be crucified upside down. They would be fed to lions. And all the while they're walking into it and they're not denying Jesus. They're not, they're willing to stand up for what they believe is the truth, no matter what. They did not care that death was, was imminent. They were going to stand up and speak the truth no matter what. That happened recently to a lot of people, even in our church that happened recently, when they said, you have to wear the mask. You have to get the shot. If you don't get the shot, you're going to lose your job. Then a lot of people that in our church, a lot of people that, that you know said, okay, I'll lose my job then because I'm going to do what I believe is right. And, and a lot of you stood up for it. I'm not saying you're bad if you if you bowed to it, if you got the shot. I'm not saying you're evil. All I'm saying is that people decided to live by what they believed was right, and they didn't do it. And guess what happened? Who was right? <laughs> you don't know what the answer is? Like, somebody. And in the end, like, look what happened with with all of that. 
you just have to wait. Like the conspiracies all come true if you just wait a little bit. Like, so we can survive because God promises to help us when we experience persecution. You wonder, like you think the, the early church, those guys were like super men of faith, super, super women of faith. They were not. Those guys were knuckleheads. Those guys did not have it. Look at Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter couldn't even say that he was a follower of Jesus to a little girl that called him out. Peter was a chicken. He was scared. But then fast forward just a little bit, and the Holy Spirit gives him the, the strength to stand up and preach Jesus to the very people that crucified him. And he had the, the strength. How is that possible? How is it? That, it is because you gain the strength to overcome after you step into the place where you need the strength to overcome. You do not have the strength before. You will not know the truth. You will not know that you can make it before you step into it. So if you're, if you're facing something right now and you're like, God, I know that you're telling me to do this, but I don't know how I'm going to make it. You, I promise you, you're not going to know how you make it until you say, all right, it's all you, dog, to God. And you just, and you step into it. And then once you step into it, you will, uh, you will know, you will know, you will feel a nearness to him like you've never felt before. But you have to do it because you're not going to understand until you do it. But Peter didn't, couldn't walk on the water until he stepped out of the boat. He couldn't walk on the water while he was in the boat. He had to step out. And then when he stepped out, he was able to stand on water. Like that doesn't make any sense. But all the other Cracker Jacks in the boat were just like, well, that's pretty cool that Peter can do that. <laughs> if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. We are going to be people that stand for Jesus in every area of our life, right? Everybody stand up. May you be someone who is persecuted in every area of your life. Because if you are persecuted in every area of your life, that means you are doing the things that he has told you to do. May we be people who understand that we were sent to this country, to this city, to this church for such a time as this, and that we will run after everything that God has called us to, because we know even to death that he has given us the strength and we will never turn our backs on that. Lord, we thank you so much for your loving kindness and for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for the way that you lavish your love out on us, your kids. We thank you that you have put us in this community for this time. And so we want to accomplish everything that you've called us to. Just put it in front of us, Lord, and we will do it. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we have a baptism this morning. Just so you know, we're going to walk over to the river in about 10 minutes. All right? All right. Yeah, I'm only telling you.